0: 1809 was the year of history-making and world-changing births. William Gladstone was undoubtedly the finest statesman that England ever produced. Lord Alfred Tennyson was born to an obscure preacher, but he would change the literary world like none other. Oliver Wendell Holmes was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and a few miles down the road, Edgar Allan Poe began his eventful, if not tragic, life. That same year, a physician couple named the Darwins gave birth to their first son, and they called him Charles Roberts. Months later, the cries of a newborn babe could be heard in a log cabin in Hardin County, Kentucky. Can you guess who that baby was? You're right, Abraham Lincoln. 1809 produced some of the uh, most glorious, if you will, uh, earth-changing births that we have seen in one year within history. Now, it is true that when we look into the eyes of a newborn, we are gazing into the future and into untapped potential and power. When Mary and Joseph first looked into the eyes of their newborn. They knew he was more than just a baby, primarily because of what the angel had previously told them, that he would be the savior of the world. They knew that there was something up with this baby because of that thing, you know, that physics-defying thing called the immaculate conception. But how much Did they really know? As they sat there and they stared at this sweet, this cute, this innocent, cuddly little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. How much significance, importance, transformation did they sense when they looked into the eyes of this newborn? Well, all this Advent season We've been looking at people who have eyewitness contact, uh, um, contact with Jesus. And the things they said were very, very profound. But tonight we're not going to go with a traditional Christmas story. We're going to go with a Christmas story that's seldom ever heard on Christmas Eve. And we're going to start with John, the gospel writer's Christmas story. And what is known as his famous prologue in John chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. It says, and I would ask that you, if you can see that far, if you would read this along with me. It's a short passage. Everyone, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of people. And then in John 1, 14, everyone, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of God for the Christmas people of God. And we all said, thanks be to God. If you notice... John, the gospel writer, doesn't start with a bunch of angels singing and the virgin birth and, you know, shepherds journeying and guiding stars and ancestral uh, lineages or ancient prophecies. As important as they are, John has left that to his fellow gospel writers, Matthew and Luke, to detail. He starts in a very different place. He he starts in a place which was prehistory. Pre-time. Actually, pretty much pre-everything. The only comment we heard is, he says, in the beginning. Now, although babies are awesome and really quite necessary, amen, where's the human race racing if it aren't for babies, right? But Jesus is more than a baby. He's more than that little child wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger primarily because of what John tells us. John tells us that he was the word of God and that he was with God. John tells us that in verse 1. And the word he uses is a quite interesting word that has been used in history. It is the word logos. Logos, the word that we translate word. We get many of our words from this logos uh, Greek term. We get logo and logic and logical and logistical and logician, or one who happens to be good with words. So when John says that Jesus is the Logos, he's meaning something very, very important. And that is that Jesus Christ is the clear. He is the clear and the precise communication of God himself. That the Logos was with God is also a a clear statement about Colossians 1.15, where the Apostle Paul says, Jesus is the exact image of the invisible God. And this is why later on, when Jesus began his preaching and his teaching ministry as an adult, he could say with great confidence, and he could say without blaspheming, that anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And when John emphasizes that Jesus was with God in the beginning... We need to remember what he means by in the beginning. Although it may be very, very difficult and challenging for us finite, time-bound, space-bound creatures to grasp, God, by definition, is eternal. God, by definition, is without a beginning, and he is without an end. That means that Jesus, the Slogos, Jesus, this word, always was, always is, and always will be. Now, most scholars agree that this timestamp that is put in this text refers to when the physical creation of our universe began. That is the beginning. But even before the beginning, we had God the Father, God the Son, also the Word, and the Holy Spirit residing in eternity. Now, this leads us to the second reason why it is that Jesus is more than a baby. We are told in verse 3 that he is the creator of all things. Listen to what it says. Through the Logos, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In other words, Jesus Christ is more than a baby because he is the creator of all things, all things spiritual, all things physical and all things material. So, when Moses writes in the very first chapter of the Old Testament Scriptures, in Genesis chapter 1, the book of beginnings, or the book of origins, and he says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, he is talking about Jesus, because Jesus is the creator. Listen, how the Apostle Paul elaborates on this in two very key texts, which I know before you go home tonight, you will memorize and tell to one another. These are very, very important texts as we understand the true identity and the nature of Jesus Christ, the Word of God, who is God. As we go over now to Colossians 1, 16 and 17, listen to what Paul says. For in him, meaning Jesus, all things in heaven and on earth were created. Things visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. Look at somebody right now and say, I have been created for God. Go ahead and take a moment and do that. Go ahead. Because it's absolutely true. You have been created for God. Let's go back. i got to finish that, I think. Okay, in verse 17 he says, He himself is before all things, and in him all things. Things hold together. Did you ever walk down the street wondering why all the molecules and the atoms just don't disassemble in a second? It's because Jesus Christ is sustaining all things through his powerful word. Now, this truth prompted the Apostle Paul, while he was hotly debating the Athenian philosophers on Mars Hill, to state that it was in Christ that we live and we move, and we have our being. You and I are sitting in this beautiful sanctuary on Christmas Eve because Jesus Christ holds us together. Now, the third reason why Jesus is more than a baby is because, as John says in verse 4, he is the life, and he is the light of all people. Now, that sounds like a head scratcher, doesn't it? But it just simply means that Jesus Christ is the source. He is the perpetual. He is the eternal source of not only physical life, but also of spiritual and moral life as well. I like how the New Living Translation paraphrases this key text for us. It says, The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everything. Everyone. Jesus is the source of all moral and spiritual goodness. Jesus is the source of all moral and spiritual wisdom. Jesus is the source of all moral and spiritual godliness, holiness, purity, and wholesomeness. The one whose mission it was to give us life and life more abundantly is the fountainhead of everything good, everything beautiful. Everything truthful is, that we know in this world, that we experience in this world, and that we enjoy in this world. Jesus Christ is the light and the life of men. Another reason why Jesus, it, you can say, did I hear an amen? Because I almost froze there for a moment and keeled over. Did anybody say amen? amen. All right, let's get an amens going on here. We're talking about the most glorious being of all. Let's get excited, church. Now another reason, the fourth reason, why Jesus is more than a baby is because, now this is going to blow your mind when you think about it, it took me 12 years of higher education to understand this line, and I still don't understand it, and that is that Jesus Christ is unique, he's one of a kind, because he is the only being that is both fully God and fully human. Now look at somebody right now and say, I never knew that. Or look at somebody and say, I kind of knew it, but I never understood it. Put your hand up if you kind of understand that. But it's really, really hard to grasp, right? As we've seen, Jesus Christ is fully God before the original Christmas. But afterward, he became fully God and fully human, wrapped up into one being. John 1.14 explains this almost inexplicable phenomenon. He says, simply, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now the act of the creator stepping out of a dimensionless eternity and into a space-time creation of his own making, in doing so, Being born in a human body, blows my mind, but it is called the Incarnation. Everybody say that with me, Incarnation. Now Incarnation does not mean created, okay? Promise me, promise me, promise me, especially when you're hitting your eggnog tonight, that you will not say Jesus was created on Christmas, Everybody, put up your hand right now and promise me you won't do that. Jesus Christ is not a created being. Gods are not created. They are eternal. They have no beginning and end, as we discussed earlier. But Jesus Christ was born as a pre-existent person at this wonderful, wonderful time that we call Christmas. I know. That's why it took me So much time to try to figure this out and explain it to you. And I don't even understand it. It's what my wife always says all the time to me. Now, this is the event that Matthew and Luke love to talk about. This is the event where you got angels singing and you got Old Testament prophecies being fulfilled and you got joy and you got excitement and you got shepherds doing stuff and you got orchestration of heavenly beings saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and you get all this wrappings and trappings and little beings born in mangers and all that stuff. For those wonderful details, read the accounts in the Gospel of Luke And in the Gospel of Matthew, John just wants to let us know that Jesus is more than a baby because he is the incarnated God. When he says that he made his dwelling among us, it refers back to the Old Testament scriptures. If you remember, the Old Testament Israelites created a tabernacle that journeyed with them. The presence of God journeyed with them wherever they went. People use the phrase or the paraphrases that Jesus pitched his tent among us or he moved into our neighborhood or he camped out with us. I like all those translations or paraphrases, but I like it, I like it, but I love that God himself personally, he didn't send a text, he didn't get on Instagram, or Facebook, or send an email, or place a phone call. God personally came to us to be one of us so that He might know us and that we might know Him. That, my friends, is the Incarnation. That, my friends, is what true God really does. God is not aloof. He's not indifferent to our sorrows and our sufferings, our trials, our tribulations, and all the things that we experience. Jesus Christ, for 33 years, walked a mile in our moccasins, Everything we know, everything we experience, everything we go through, the good, the bad, or the indifferent, or the good, the bad, or the ugly, or the good, the bad, or whatever it is, it does not matter. God himself came, the second person of the Godhead, the Son of God, and the God, God the Son, came. For God so loved the world. He came. He came. So that we might know Him. And that He might know us. I love how the Apostle Paul puts this in Colossians 2.9. He says, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That's the incarnation. That's the miracle of the incarnation. Because God Himself came is why we are here tonight singing all these wonderful songs, listening to this crazy sermon. Now, I remember the very first time that I visited a hospital nursery room in order to see my firstborn son. A few hours previously, Lisa, my wife, who read the scriptures for us tonight, with tremendous effort and much screaming, Gave birth to a seven-pound eight-ounce. Seven pound, eight ounce baby. Now look at her, she's not that big, so you can imagine the effort, okay? Lisa, stand up for just a moment. Let them see how small yours. No, she's okay. She gave birth to a seven, almost an eight-pounder. That's big. A baby boy. And when I went in that nursery, I was scanning the sea of bassinets. And I was having a lot of trouble locating my firstborn, my man-child, because quite honestly, all those little pinkish, wrinkly, little old people, well, they all kind of look alike, quite honestly. And they all got white beanies on, and they're all in pink or blue, blankets. I was, I didn't even remember what he looked like. So I smartened up and I started reading the names. And then after a few moments, I spotted him right next to another infant that weighed over 14 pounds. I immediately ushered a word of prayer for his mama And I saw the nurses go in. They were already filling out his registration for kindergarten the next day. (laughs) That's how big this little guy was. But as I laid my eyes on my son, a sense of awe filled my heart. An Incredible sense of love. An incredible sense of joy at that very moment i knew that of all the precious little lives that were placed in that nursery at that time the only one that had a capacity to change my life was my first born son and he did I'm hoping he made me a better man and a better husband and a better father. Now, of all the precious births of history. There was only one. There's only one that can change our lives now and forevermore. And that is the birth of the incarnated Son of God, named Jesus Christ. He is the word that created all things, sustains all things, sources all things. And if we had time, we would talk about how he saves all things. Because he is more than a baby, let us celebrate and honor him, love and serve him, worship, and adore him. Not just a few times during holidays, but every day we live. Amen? Pray with me now. Heavenly Lord, we come to you and we can't even get this figured out sometime. This miracle this incomprehension, this wonderful inability to know that you're more than a baby. You're everything. You're everything. Will you come now and be the gift of everything to everyone in this room tonight. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and to whom God favors. And we all said,